0: Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you doing, Richard?
1: Pretty good. Uh, time for another discussion about some things that we like to call movies.
0: Yeah, some of them are movies, and some of them are some would call train wrecks. But you know that's for you to decide and us to uh, judge you about later. Uh, we are continuing our trek. Through the sands of time, we are talking about movies specifically that are based on comic book titles. Now, we've been doing this for a while now. We started this way back at the beginning of the podcast and it and it takes a while to get through all these.
1: Well, if you if you remember, we did start this at the beginning of the podcast and then we stopped and then we started it all over again. And now we're coming to Hmm, the end. I guess you could say, because we're so close to kind of the current time, and there's so many comic book movies per year now, right? because they've become so lucrative that everybody's going to give them a yeah. shot. And now we're, we've already talked a lot about some pretty good ones, you know, like a lot of Marvel movies, and now we're kind of spreading the wealth a little bit here.
0: Definitely. Maybe when we finish through this particular trek, we'll talk about some television shows based on comics and comic books well maybe we'll just broaden the umbrella so that the comic strips get a little bit of love in the next one
1: yeah if we can do the animated ones i think that would be a great a great discussion
0: definitely so but this year that we're talking about is 2016 um there are quite a number of productions we will not be able to get through the entire thing in a single episode so we're going to chop it roughly in half and talk about a handful of them we will not have seen all of these uh for the ones that we have seen there will definitely be spoilers so if you have not seen some of these films just a warning ahead that there will be some talking uh, about things that happens in the movies um I guess that's kind of a vague way of saying something specific, but, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you'd kind of assume that even now, as we're getting closer to current times, these are still movies from five years ago. So if you haven't seen them by now or you're planning on seeing them, uh, cool, but we can't really talk too much about them without giving away some details.
0: Right. I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm a little nervous, like, oh, we're, we're close enough that, uh, that maybe uh, we'll end up hitting some stuff some people haven't seen. Uh, Or I should say that haven't seen yet and it's current enough that, you know, we don't want to spoil too much. But, you know, let's just move on to uh, the next thing. And I am so excited. We have uh, a movie that is based on a comic book, but it's also kind of based on an older movie. Uh, I've not seen this and I'm kind of curious because it's it's. One in a series of movies. We, we've kind of talked a little bit about at least one of them in the past. And, and again, it's just we haven't we haven't seen it, but it looks like an awful but fun B-movie sort of a thing. But uh, well, what I'm talking about, The Amazing Colossal Woman came out in 2016. Uh, this particular film was based on Fem Force from AC Comics back in 1990. So it's not that old of a property. But it's also paying homage to uh, much older uh, source material in some of the, you know, like the '50s sci-fi films where you get the giant lady, right?
1: Yeah. When you were saying this was part of a, of one that we reviewed already, was this the one that kind of had the like the knockoff Batman and a few other characters? Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: same yeah. kind of thing.
1: Um, yeah, I can definitely say I have not seen it, and I for sure you haven't seen it no, either so no uh, but you're right it looks like when you just look at the cover for example it looks like something from like the 50s
0: yeah definitely so and and when you get the uh the description that they give uh, where Dr. Carol Heisler is angry very angry <laughs> it, it sounds wonderfully bad and i really want to see it
1: it's just over an hour long so a little bit more digestible in a sense than some of the other ones
0: and it definitely uh has you know it has um people in it (laughs) but nobody that, that uh most of us would really recognize um and the thing is because this if you if you find it on imdb or if you find it on amazon it's released as the current movie but it's also got one of those 50s movies in the um in the pack so the the casting credits uh the cast and crew credits on it includes some of those older individuals so it's slightly misleading uh, like a because they have been credited before if i remember correctly for that uh older thing but you know it's interesting a, it's double the
1: credits double the fun i guess
0: right yeah but since neither of us have seen it we have little to say uh so <laughs> on we go um now let's actually get to something that had a, a pretty wide um release and a, a, has had a broad appeal to a lot of people for a long time. We normally uh, this is one of those entries where it's kind of sort of on this list but sort of not uh in that we talk about we're talking about movies that are not animated. Um and this is predominantly animated, though if I remember correctly not completely animated. Um So yeah, so we're talking about, uh, which film Richard?
1: Well, we're talking about a sequel here and this is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows and you're right. It's basically if you took Thanos and made him the basically every character in a, in a movie, (laughs) that's what we get here. Um, the main ones in this one, obviously, are all the Turtles. And you've got uh, the addition this time of Rocksteady and Bebop, which, if you remember the previous Turtle movies, when, like, The Secret of the Ooze, for example, they had, like, Toka and Razor, And we, everybody was like, Who wh- are these people? Who are these? Like, why did you just make something up when you had awesome characters Uh, four bad guys to throw in the movie, and this time they actually did Rocksteady and Bebop. I'm not saying that they did them well, but they did them. So, you know, a lot of CGI characters, but it's all based on, like, that green screen, have the little foam balls all over your heads and face, live action, put the CGI over the top. So uh, it's honestly not a bad movie if you're looking for something different you're looking something for a non-animated turtle movie or the other thing too the original turtles of course were practical effects and you're not really going to get any of that in this particular movie
0: and i can't tell you how much i just absolutely despise productions that use a green screen
1: You can see it now Yes you can No you can't you're listening to us (laughs) But This one has All the elements Because they they try to pile in All the bad guys Obviously Shredder showed up In the first one And this one has Shredder And this has Kang in it And it's got It's got a little bit of everybody So you, You get all the The turtles Bad guys Kind of piled into one movie and I guess that's okay, you know, the more the merrier question mark, but uh if you're a fan of the Turtles franchise, this is a, a little bit different uh, turn, I guess you can say it's not like they took a lot of luxuries with this one. no, but the the little turtle van that they have is is it you know it's pretty cool, and there's some differences in. It. so it, it's a pretty fun movie though.
0: Well, and especially if you are, um, if if you're just a fan of the source material, I, the thing that I, I must admit I haven't seen the sequel yet, um, but looking at the rend- the rendering of how the turtles are portrayed, they seem like guys that would hang out at a, a, a workout establishment. I mean, it's just kind of off-putting, just a little bit.
1: Yeah, they're kind of bros but i don't you're, you they tried to deliver it in a way that you, the cartoon for example is very cartoony well that's it's it, it's a cartoon right so they they just tried to build it into a real world scenario and that's fine and it's not it's not bad it, it's it's really not but that, it doesn't make it great either
0: no I'm, and the, and the fun thing is they, they really did they have a, a, the decent voice cast for, for everybody that's in this, and um, you would think that would be kind of a great jumping off point, but uh, I don't know. Something seems off about it to me. I, uh, I'll, have to give it a, I'll have to give it a try. If, uh, if nothing else, um, it's, it's a continuation of a beloved thing from childhood, and it's worth a, worth a shot. I also have to say that I find it rather entertaining that they got uh, the wrestler Sheamus to do the voice of uh, Rocksteady, which is just, that just makes me giggle on the inside. So I kind of want to see it just for that.
1: Yeah, that that part's pretty funny. Uh, Brad Garrett as Krang, it kind of makes sense. Uh, I forgot that they had Baxter Stockman in here too. If you remember, Baxter Stockman had the Mousers. Um, and Baxter Stockman was in this one too uh, didn't do he wasn't a good person so technically he was a bad guy but he wasn't really I'm trying to think he was the one that helped to develop Rocksteady and Bebop so he was part of it so they really did push all the classic Turtles enemies into this film
0: well let's go into something that's less light fare, and more light torture. Uh, <laughs> in 2016, there was a very stylistic horror movie that came out that I would wager that the vast majority of people had no idea was based on a comic book. Uh, that film was called Abattoir. Uh, based on a comic book of the same name, um, it came out in 2011, so you know this didn't get produced too much after that now when you look at the original source material uh it has a couple of guys that uh, list as being the writers on the comic at least on the first issue anyway but the director of this film was actually the one that came up with the idea for the comic in the first place and it's just an adaptation of that now with all of that information i have not seen this film
1: no never even heard of it until we started discussing this list
0: Yeah, it's. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of horror. You know, sometimes you get in those instances where you have your group of friends, you have your family, and the things that you watch together and things that you don't. And anytime I think that it'd be a great time to share a really fun horror movie, I'm the only one that thinks that. (laughs) So it just never kinda happens. But um, yeah, the the cast is. Not a lot of people that you would call um, uh, top-billed names for the most part. There are some exceptions. I mean, Michael Paré uh, is in it, and he's been in just tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. And uh, <laughs> he's got like 50 movies coming out.
1: Yeah, he's Busy B for sure. And then the top, I, I guess you could call her the the, the top-billed person, uh, Jessica is heard of her? I've seen her before, but like if you asked me what else she was in, I couldn't begin to tell you.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that we try and watch as much as we can, but no matter no matter what, there's going to be some gaps in in our pop culture uh, knowledge, <laughs> and unfortunately, this just falls into one of those gaps. Um, but uh, it sounds like kind of a fun concept where there's you know a murder at a house and. They're trying to solve the mystery of the murders. So kind of a suspense thriller horror thing and yeah, fun stuff. Um, but we're going to kind of, again, since neither of us have seen it, leave it at that. I have leafed through the source material and that's <laughs> it's about as far as I ever got. Um, but we'll go to one that actually had a pretty, uh, pretty positive initial response in the theaters. I seem to remember Um Did you ever see the next one that we're going to be talking about, Richard?
1: That's a big negative.
0: I I believe we're starting to run into a pattern here. Uh, We need to go out and see more of these comic-based films. I mean, it's got a classic cast in this. Uh, The film that we're talking about uh, is a comedy above all comedies. Wait, no, that actually looks like it's uh, completely the opposite of comedy. It's called Term Life. (laughs) But if you look at the cast, you would never know that it wasn't a comedy.
1: Yeah, it's got some really good names, uh, top built like a lot of faces you'd recognize. Some of our favorites yeah. actually are in here too, and we know nothing, nothing about it.
0: No, no, I I completely missed this one when it hit the theaters. And the funny thing is, is this is based on rather than a comic book, it's based on a graphic novel that came out in twenty eleven. Uh, of the same name. Um, but, I mean, man, it's got Vince Vaughn in it. In it. Bill Paxton, who is just legendary. Uh, Jonathan Banks, who I love to death and just whatever they put him in, he just knocks it out of the park. Terrence Howard, who I have argued was a better roadie from kind of the get-go, or at least I, I appreciated more as roadie in Iron Man, which, amazingly enough, you have Jon Favreau in this as well. So that always makes me wonder. It's like, huh, this happened half a decade after that whole thing. I wonder if there was any bad blood on the set.
1: <laughs> or if they agreed to do it, but then we're not going to be on screen at the same time. <laughs> kind
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Epps is in it, and he's generally pretty solid. Um, yeah, it's got a killer cast. And I don't see how I haven't seen this film. But it looks pretty, pretty spot-on awesome. I mean, the whole concept of uh, it's kind of an action thing. So, you know, uh, I believe it's about an assassin that uh, has taken out a, um, a life insurance policy on himself. And he just has to survive being killed long enough for him to hit the right term so it can pay out and uh, support his daughter, I believe.
1: Sounds awful.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it takes all kinds. I I think it has some potential in the in what it sounds like. Um, I mean, it's directed by Peter Billingsley. Man, uh, Ralphie knows what he's doing behind a camera. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would, yeah.
1: Well, he knew what he was doing in front of a camera, kind of. Many many years ago.
0: Oh, and even recently, because he's been in the uh, he's been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was in the first Iron Man film, and then he was also in uh, Spider Man Far From Home. Uh, so you know, kind of cool. Uh, I another individual that I would just absolutely love to talk to at some point. Maybe we can make that happen. Um, but again, another instance where we just haven't seen it. Now, I know it seems like we're getting into this kind of I don't want to say rut. But we're getting into this kind of pattern where, hey, there's this neat movie based on a comic, and we haven't seen it. But i got to tell you, we are going to break that rut right now. We're going to talk about our social media. Don't forget, Pudding People, to catch us on all of our social media to keep up to date with what's going on in the world of pudding. Where are you most active, Richard? Well, you could see some of my activity on our Instagram account, would that happen to be at Pudding Guys? That one would, yes. Amazing. You know what? That is also our Facebook. So you can about once a month (laughs) see see, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, we'll post something on Facebook. We're probably most most on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys, but of course you can catch us on Patreon as. Pudding guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. Where for just $1 a day, you can support us as we bring you new interviews, new material, new stuff to make our interviews and material look better. It's just fantastic for only $1 a month. A, a $1 dollar's sum. not a lot. No, it's, not really.
1: It really isn't. That's actually $12 over the course of a year.
0: Right. Small change to help the Pudding guys keep going. And wasn't that interesting? <laughs> it always is swerve okay so uh, we really are going to break the pattern we are going to get into a film that we have both watched and both have some strong opinions on uh it is in the doomed dc extended universe um it is batman versus superman dawn of justice came out in 2016 uh obviously based on the source material that we've talked about for all of the other Batman and Superman films that we've talked about up until this point um yeah uh this was a little different uh who directed this film richard
1: mm one of the best t- to uh, no um this is a, <laughs> another Zack Snyder property because he is he was the one who was kind of in charge of developing all this system this this extended universe and we've done a review recently on the justice league but the Zack snyder version of the justice league right which we did agree was better than the original one definitely and it drew a lot of material from this particular movie now i can't remember because you've only seen this recently
0: yes somewhat recently
1: Uh, did you watch this before the Zack Snyder version or did you watch this after?
0: Uh, I watched this before the Zack Snyder version.
1: Okay, so then you had going into this a little bit fresher memory in terms of how it applied to that movie. Yes. And it's, it's, it's not... Okay, so the original version that they butchered of Justice League, that was a really bad movie. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. And when they did they they did the Zack Snyder version, that had some acceptable improvements on it from a movie standpoint. Definitely. You know, if we're looking at the source material, maybe there's some things that we would like to have seen better. But A lot of things. Yeah. A movie, you know, it was better. This one's the same thing. When we look at the actual characters and the source material, it's not going to really stand up very well to that as a movie on its own, it's okay. Like if you didn't know the characters very well at all and you watch this, you'd kinda kinda sort of maybe get an impression of the characters, but it's not like this is a an F minus movie. No, no, it
0: wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um so my my issue with the just the general bent of the DCEU as it was done um, and why I think the whole bring back uh, the Zack Snyder verse is a terrible idea um, is is that it changes the tone of the characters in such a way that it doesn't reflect, I believe very well, the intent of the characters. There was a lot of discussion in the original Superman movie, which we have talked about a couple of times now, including a previous history of comic book movies where it's just it's darker. And it feels like you know what if a 13 year old got to make a superhero film and they included all the stuff that they liked, which was all of the special effects and the fights and the super cool flying parts and and then just kind of completely missed the tone. The whole the whole thing about Superman is that he inspires hope. He doesn't necessarily have to be in a, a bright, environment to do this. You can do this in a dark environment, but finding a way for that to reflect as an effect of what happens is really important. And I just didn't get that from either the Superman film or this film. Batman's just kind of flat. Um, Not a lot of personality, and I don't really see him inspiring hope at any point. Uh, It's just kind of sad
1: well i i want to say that they try to portray the mm, the presentation of the hope in some of the scenes when they're like showing him doing good things right so the things exploding and he's catching it and bringing it down or it's like the day of the dead and everybody's around him like oh you're awesome or there's the flood and he just kind of does the because you know Zack Snyder, we love the slow motion, him floating down <laughs> with the sun in the background. The people, like, I can't see what, what, oh, it's Superman. So, like, they tried to have that bit of presentation, but that bit of presentation was clouded in almost like politics, right? Where it's, okay, he's doing good, but is he really doing good? Do we want him to do good? So it was like they're trying to present him as good butt.
0: Well, maybe. I, I didn't get that impression from that that presentation because I felt that the filter, the the direction that they went with that wasn't to present him in a light where he's giving hope. Yes, there is that. But presenting the help that he's giving in, in a way that makes him appear like I don't want to say an uncaring God, because did he look happy in any of those shots? No. He was stoic, and he was grim looking, and very serious, and yeah, okay, you're not going to be happy-go-lucky when you're trying to save people from a flood, but at the same time, the parts that you do to humanize this massively powerful character is to show the parts after where he helps, where he deals with the psychological aspects of things. So, I mean, that's the thing. He will just talk to people and sit next to them and engage in conversation and try and connect. That is Superman. That's the point. Yes, I'm here on a level of power that's undeniable. I'm not trying to be above you. He would have run. From everybody trying to touch him like that in the comics. Hell no. There's no way that would happen. He wants to be accepted as as a member of the planet, not somebody that is looked up to. And in fact, there's about a million discussions like that in the comics that you can find. It just, uh, it irked me.
1: Well, the other thing, we did get a little bit of the behind the scenes, right, because... It, at least in this movie, set up his relationship with Lois Lane, right?
0: That was pretty good.
1: So y- you did get that scene, that, that behind the scenes, I guess you can say, aspect of it. Um, You also got the introduction of Wonder Woman in this one, too, which was just kind of... Uh, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And she's an important character to have, yep. and her presentation in this movie in, in a sense because it was the first time in this universe that they've that they've presented her was okay kind of a, a woman of mystery in a sense and then they yeah. there was the the actual movie which is on next year's slate which is like oh well she's been around forever you know like okay so the that's part of some of the issues with this extended universe and how it was kind of hastily put together yeah. so that it could try to be a super team of people to compete. And it, you, you just miss some elements of who or what the characters actually are. Right.
0: I mean, and, and it's true that you really can't replicate what made like the Avengers work in the first place to a certain extent because no one knew that that was actually going to happen for some time. They were able to slow plate and build the character development and subtly link the movies together. But that is how you build a universe. You don't jump feet first after you release a single Superman film into what is essentially an attempt to do a Justice League film without it being a Justice League film. It was not a great idea. And if I mean, if you're a comic book fan, it feels like it's rushed. If you're not a comic book fan, you're just going, what? I I, I don't know what's happening here. Um, So, I mean, they just didn't. I, I have a feeling that this was not a Snyder thing. I have a feeling that this was a studio pressure thing uh, because as much as I might disagree with some of his stylistic choices, I've always said he seems like he really loves the material and I can't believe that somebody that loves the material would say, yeah, this is the logical second step.
1: Well, if, if it was presented to him as you've got a movie arc and it's going to have four movies, five movies, and by the fourth or fifth movie, you're going to have a Justice League. Go. Right. He, yeah. he 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 would be limited in what he can and and can't do, and then he took li- his own liberties. I feel like with some of the presentation on on some of the things, but you're you're probably right where he was just kind of handcuffed in a certain sense with what his expectations were to start making some money off of these films.
0: Yeah. But there were elements of this that I liked. Um, I did like the, the how they portrayed the combat with Wonder Woman. That was pretty good. I have said before that I think Ben Affleck made a pretty decent Batman. Um, I, I liked the way they did the combat with that. He looked good in the suit. I can't see him as Bruce Wayne. He just doesn't strike me as a Bruce Wayne. But that's a minor thing because, you know, there's several actors that have been Batman that that I love as an actor that I just look at and go, yeah, that's not Bruce Wayne. (laughs) It just doesn't know.
1: Plus he was really ripped in this movie too.
0: Yeah. Oh, he, he was, he was, uh, he was drinking those protein shakes. I feel got shredded,
1: (laughs) but yeah, the, you're, you're right. Some of the presentations in, if we look at what are the things that were some of our favorites from the movie, I know we discussed before, the The meeting, not the meeting, I guess you could say, but the the gala the whatever oh, the, it was the
0: event where the stealing of the stuff needed to happen
1: yes, the premise of that was whatever, but the actual interactions between the characters were pretty solid, pretty solid yeah. and even if you don't like Jesse Eisenberg and that's a whole nother discussion
0: as, i I love Jesse Eisenberg
1: as Lex Luthor.
0: I love Jesse Eisenberg
1: so that that is that was an interesting choice, right and the one thing that we didn't truly get to see was him be Lex Luthor.
0: yeah he didn't really get that um, maniacal bit I mean he had a couple of monologues it just it never really. It didn't sit right, and I and I have been I had thought about that for m- many weeks after I couldn't figure out why it didn't sit right. And it's like, well, is it the tone? It's like, no, the tone's okay. Um, is it his take on the character and the delivery? It's like, no, I think that's okay too. The issue is, the main bad guy was always going to be Doomsday, and in order for that to be the threat, again, there needs to be development. You didn't have Superman come out when he came out so, so long ago. And then one year later, doomsday. (laughs) There's got to be a build. And because that came out of nowhere, it kind of took all the threat away from him. He is supposed to be frightening, not because he has powers, but because the dude is smart and he's ruthless. And... He didn't get a chance to really present that. Or I should say, they didn't get a chance, or they didn't try. Let me rephrase that. It didn't happen. It didn't come across to me as, wow, this is a really, uh, this is a a Machiavellian, manipulative, awesome villain. It just didn't didn't work for me.
1: Yeah, and the Doomsday thing was... Dumb, but you had you had to do that to fit that piece in for the Justice League movie, which whatever that's its own thing. Um, and that scene, that combat scene at the end, was well, that was okay. But I think the the best of the interactions in terms of the combat, uh, whether it was presented well, it was at least still entertaining was the actual brief little snippet of Batman versus Superman that you got up until the Martha. Martha. (laughs) Yeah. The, that was just dumb, but you you know, and we Superman could kill Batman with just like a flick of the wrist. And when they have these battles and even in the anime, like the, some of the animated features, um I forget which one it is. There's an animated movie that's actually based off of what we the source material that we saw here, like bat, the actual combat, the combat of Batman versus Superman. Oh, so
0: the dar- I believe is Dark Knight Returns is the original source material in the comic book world.
1: Yeah, and th- there is an animated version of this fight. And they present more of the like Bruce what are you doing type thing in that particular um sequence but we know in this one that superman is like you just need to stop i'm not here to to kill you you just need to stop but batman's like oh well i can fight and that part was okay i didn't really mind like the the grenades and the the some of those things like that was kind of cool i guess
0: it was it was okay i mean is this a justice league level of bad no um but it's not exactly a film that I'm ever going to want to watch again. Um, it's just it's just got too many problems uh, to it, and well, maybe maybe with some of the newer films, they'll they'll find a better tone, a better way of doing things. Um, but you know that that is what it is. Let's let's finish on a high note. How about that? Let's talk about a film that I know that we both like, that we both saw, that came out in 2016. And it is irreverent, and it is violent, and it is silly, and it is just wrong on multiple levels. Uh, uh, I, of course, am talking about uh, Deadpool, again from 2016. Now, the Deadpool character uh, made its first appearance in The New Mutants in Marvel in 1991. Uh, Unsurprising to pretty much anybody at this point is Rob Liefeld. That was the creator of the character um and it was ultimately uh, very popular started as a, as a straight up essentially serious villain and just kind of morphed over time into what everyone knows him as today. Um, I love this movie. Um, it is so rewatchable it's not funny
1: It is almost infinitely rewatchable in terms of, the jokes, the the silliness, the gore, the 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 soundtrack, like the violence, all of the things. I feel like if you like those types of movies, you like the R-rated movie with the with those types of elements in it. That this one is just like an easy rewatch, maybe once a year, maybe more if you're a real big fan. But it, the thing about it is, it's not necessarily gratuitous because that is the character right. it, it it may be over the top but you're not getting it just to get it you're getting it because that's what the character is
0: yeah definitely so and it's not like this film is uh, flawless there are definitely some issues here and there i mean it has some kind of classic writing tropes that you'll see uh, uh, assigned to both comics and movies based on comics but in some instances it's because it's a parody of what came before or a send-up uh, of some of the concepts, uh, commentary sometimes on some of the the concepts that have come before. Sometimes it's not; it's just a trope. <laughs> but um, I mean, this is this seems like the role that Ryan Reynolds was just born for. It's been said before, well before we ever talked about this film. But I mean, he's always been talented, and he's always made any film that I've seen him in a little bit better. But, you know, there are some instances where he did comic stuff that just didn't work so well. And they even make fun of that in this film. It's just fantastic and doesn't take itself too seriously. And that, for me, goes a long way. I mean, I've been a fan of Ryan Reynolds since Van Wilder.
1: Yeah, and simply because of him, this movie was made. You know, this, this this wasn't really a thing even though it's a comic book movie and comic book movies have been just oh, you want to make one? Here's some money. Let's do it. This isn't one I feel like this one took a long time to actually have that development. This one took a long time to have the I, I guess you could say the introduction. If if you remember there was a the, one of the scenes uh they did a sequence where he was sitting on the bridge and then did his flip down into the trucks. Right. And then, and like shot people and beat up people as they were driving down the road. Well, that sequence was, was in the film, but that was one that they put together and presented to the studios and like, Hey, this is the movie that we want to make. And of course that leaked online and it still took a while for the movie to get made. But of course it, was hugely successful and made lots of money. So then they're like, let's do more.
0: And we can make a comic book movie that's R rated and it will be super successful, which makes me laugh all the time because there's been plenty of comic book movies that are R rated that were very successful. Sometimes people don't think about it because they don't realize that it was based on a comic in the first place, or it's just been long enough that our short attention spans (laughs) help us forget that there are other films that were R rated uh, since I kind of live and breathe in, in all of these films and the stats, especially going back into it over time, there are a lot more R-rated comic movies than you might think.
1: Well, and and maybe it's because the in the world of Marvel, which up until now had suddenly become super successful, but there were previous iterations of Marvel movies, and there's a... What Punisher Warzone? Yeah, um, there are R rated ones, but they're not presented necessarily as, "Hey, this is a gigantic Marvel movie," right? right? Where that's been the attraction for a lot of these movies. Yeah, and this one fit fit in because it wasn't on Disney; it wasn't in that system. It was in Fox, and Fox had a little, you know, more leeway in what they could do.
0: Right. I mean, when you when you think back to it, when I mean, we talk about like Blade all the time, that was classic comic book fair as Marvel. It was R rated. It worked because it was R rated, and my only hope with seeing something like this come out, it's like, well, I know there's going to be just straight up cash grabs that go around because this worked, but we're going to get some good stuff out of this too. So I'm always kind of hoping. I think that uh, they even make fun of it later. Later, that, that the whole Logan thing happened because this happened to some extent and that movie was fantastic but we'll get to that later cuz that's not in 2016. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was actually uh, addressed in Deadpool
0: 2. That's right. So yeah, so this whole this whole um this whole cast is great. Obviously we talked about uh Ryan Reynolds um the uh Karen Sony is so lovable as Dopinder. Um uh, it's <laughs> He does such a great job of adding a, um, a very um, grounding element to the whole affair. The uh, the telling of the origin is pretty straightforward. It doesn't take a lot of left turns, which is good. Um, and just all in all, I, I there's not enough that I can say about snarky comments always. Play well with me, and if you can have a film that's just filled with that, fourth uh, wall breaks are just great, and when they're done right, and that's that is the character. That's Deadpool to a T. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just great stuff, and uh, yeah, I I have nothing else really to say other than that. if you have not seen this film yet, you should definitely see this film. So long as this type of thing is your cup of tea. Now, if you're not an action film uh, and you don't like gore at all, and please don't curse at me, then yeah, you probably won't like this film. But <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of fun.
1: And there's just a buildup, an accumulation of jokes, an accumulation of references, and, and the thing about it is, they have in this movie one of i think like one of my favorite x-men characters yeah which is uh, colossus he's great and it he's a a very prominent character in this movie and they reference him being part of the x-men yet because of the stigma the status of this of this one they were only allowed to get a handful of quote x-men characters to be presented in this movie And it's almost like they were a separate entity, but they touched on that and they kind of made fun of that through this one and the next one, too.
0: Now, if you here's some homework, dear listener, if you are not completely familiar with this character, if you're only passingly familiar um, with the character and its origins, I would like for you to look up the character Negasonic Teenage Warhead and find out what that character was actually like in the comic books. And I think you will be pleasantly surprised uh, about the the deep pull that that character really is. Um, that made me just grin when I saw that the first time on screen. I was I was laughing just from that particular inclusion. That was great.
1: Yeah, one one of the X Men down the line that they didn't really have an issue with. <laughs> right, it's pretty funny.
0: But. Uh, uh, we've gone through half of them. We've made it. Uh, what do you think, folks? Uh, are these some of your favorite films? Have you seen them? Did you not realize that some of them were based on comics? And the ones that were, are they some of the best films that you've ever seen? Is it Snyder a genius? And Batman versus Superman is absolutely one of your favorites. I hope you get enjoyment out of it. That you have at least one of these films that you go, yeah, this is this is one that I can really enjoy um, because they they. Even the ones that we kind of poo-poo on, uh, they're major accomplishments, uh, and I want more comic movies because this is what I dreamed about as a kid, and seeing it happen in my lifetime to this extent is just mind-blowing, and I'm thankful for it every time I see something new come out. Here in the next couple of days, the new Black Widow will be coming out, so by the time you hear this, it will have already come out, but... We're super excited to be able to uh, watch that. We're definitely going to review it. We're going to have a couple of guests on the show to review it with us, some fellow podcasters. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But until next time, keep watching comic book movies.